0: chapter five of book one of on the heavens by aristotle translated by j l stocks this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by jeffrey edwards chapter five this being clear we must go on to consider the questions which remain first is there an infinite body as the majority of the ancient philosophers thought or is this an impossibility the decision of this question either way is not unimportant but rather all-important to our search for the truth it is this problem which has practically always been the source of the differences of those who have written about nature as a whole so it has been and so it must be since the least initial deviation from the truth is multiplied later a thousandfold, Admit, for instance, the existence of a minimum magnitude, and you will find that the minimum which you have introduced, small as it is, causes the greatest truths of mathematics to totter. The reason is that a principle is great rather in power than in extent. Hence, that which was small at the start turns out a giant at the end now the conception of the infinite possesses this power of principles and indeed in the sphere of quantity possesses it in a higher degree than any other conception so that it is in no way absurd or unreasonable that the assumption that an infinite body exists should be of peculiar moment to our inquiry the infinite then we must now discuss opening the whole matter from the beginning every body is necessarily to be classed either as simple or as composite the infinite body therefore will be either simple or composite but it is clear further that if the simple bodies are finite the composite must also be finite since that which is composed of bodies finite both in number and in magnitude is itself finite in respect of number and magnitude its quantity is in fact the same as that of the bodies which compose it what remains for us to consider then is whether any of the simple bodies can be infinite in magnitude or whether this is impossible let us try the primary body first and then go on to consider the others the body which moves in a circle must necessarily be finite in every respect for the following reasons one if the body so moving is infinite the radii drawn from the centre will be infinite but the space between infinite radii is infinite and by the space between the radii i mean the area outside which no magnitude which is in contact with the two lines can be conceived as falling this i say will be infinite first because in the case of finite radii it is always finite and secondly because in it one can always go on to a width greater than any given width thus the reasoning which forces us to believe in infinite number because there is no maximum applies also to the space between the radii now the infinite cannot be traversed and if the body is infinite the interval between the radii is necessarily infinite circular motion therefore is an impossibility Yet our eyes tell us that the heavens revolve in a circle, and by argument also we have determined that there is something to which circular movement belongs. 2. Again, if from a finite time a finite time be subtracted, what remains must be finite and have a beginning. And if the time of a journey has a beginning, there must be a beginning also of the movement, and consequently also of the distance traversed this applies universally take a line a c e infinite in one direction e and another line b b infinite in both directions let a c e describe a circle revolving upon c as center in its movement it will cut b b Continuously for a certain time. This will be a finite time, since the total time is finite in which the heavens complete their circular orbit, and consequently the time subtracted from it, during which the one line in its motion cuts the other, is also finite. Therefore, there will be a point at which A, C, E began for the first time to cut B, B this however is impossible the infinite then cannot revolve in a circle nor could the world if it were infinite three that the infinite cannot move may also be shown as follows let a be a finite line moving past the finite line b of necessity a will pass clear of b and b of a at the same moment for each overlaps the other to precisely the same extent now if the two were both moving and moving in contrary directions they would pass clear of one another more rapidly if one were still and the other moving past it less rapidly provided that the speed of the latter were the same in both cases this however is clear that it is impossible to traverse an infinite line in a finite time infinite time then would be required this we demonstrated above in the discussion of movement and it makes no difference whether a finite is passing by an infinite or an infinite by a finite for when a is passing b then b overlaps a and it makes no difference whether b is moved or unmoved except that if both move they pass clear of one another more quickly it is however quite possible that a moving line should in certain cases pass one which is stationary quicker than it passes one moving in an opposite direction one has only to imagine the movement to be slow where both move and much faster where one is stationary to suppose one line stationary then makes no difficulty for our argument since it is quite possible for a to pass b at a slower rate when both are moving than when only one is if therefore the time which the finite moving line takes to pass the other is infinite then necessarily the time occupied by the motion of the infinite past the finite is also infinite for the infinite to move at all is thus absolutely impossible since the very smallest movement conceivable must take an infinity of time moreover the heavens certainly revolve and they complete their circular orbit in a finite time so that they pass round the whole extent of any line within their orbit such as the finite line a b the revolving body therefore cannot be infinite For again as a line which has a limit cannot be infinite or if it is infinite is so only in length so a surface cannot be infinite in that respect in which it has a limit or indeed if it is completely determinate in any respect whatever whether it be a square or a circle or a sphere it cannot be infinite any more than a foot-rule can there is then no such thing as an infinite sphere or square or circle and where there is no circle there can be no circular movement and similarly where there is no infinite at all there can be no infinite movement and from this it follows that an infinite circle being itself an impossibility there can be no circular motion of an infinite body five again take a centre c an infinite line e b another infinite line at right angles to it, E, and a moving radius, C, D, C, D will never cease contact with E, but the position will always be something like C, E, C, D, cutting E at F. The infinite line, therefore, refuses to complete the circle. Six again if the heaven is infinite and moves in a circle we shall have to admit that in a finite time it has traversed the infinite for suppose the fixed heaven infinite and that which moves within it equal to it it results that when the infinite body has completed its revolution it has traversed an infinite equal to itself in a finite time but that we know to be impossible Seven it can also be shown conversely that if the time of revolution is finite the area traversed must also be finite but the area traversed was equal to itself therefore it is itself finite we have now shown that the body which moves in a circle is not endless or infinite but has its limit chapter six further neither that which moves towards nor that which moves away from the centre can be infinite for the upward and downward motions are contraries and are therefore motions towards contrary places but if one of a pair of contraries is determinate the other must be determinate also now the centre is determined for from whatever point the body which sinks to the bottom starts its downward motion it cannot go farther than the centre the centre therefore being determinate the upper place must also be determinate but if these two places are determined and finite the corresponding bodies must also be finite further if up and down are determinate the indeterminate place is also necessarily determinate for if it is indeterminate the movement within it will be infinite and that we have already shown to be an impossibility the middle region then is determinate and consequently any body which either is in it or might be in it is determinate but the bodies which move up and down may be in it since the one moves naturally away from the center and the other towards it from this alone it is clear that an infinite body is an impossibility but there is a further point if there is no such thing as infinite weight then it follows that none of these bodies can be infinite for the supposed infinite body would have to be infinite in weight the same argument applies to lightness for as the one supposition involves infinite weight so the infinity of the body which rises to the surface involves infinite lightness this is proved as follows assume the weight to be finite and take an infinite body ab of the weight c subtract from the infinite body a finite mass bd the weight of which shall be e e then is less than c since it is the weight of a lesser mass suppose then that the smaller goes into the greater a certain number of times and take bf bearing the same proportion to b d which the greater weight bears to the smaller for you may subtract as much as you please from an infinite if now the masses are proportionate to the weights and the lesser weight is that of the lesser mass the greater must be that of the greater the weights therefore of the finite and of the infinite body are equal again if the weight of a greater body is greater than that of a less the weight of gb will be greater than that of fb and thus the weight of the finite body is greater than that of the infinite and further the weight of unequal masses will be the same since the infinite and the finite cannot be equal it does not matter whether the weights are commensurable or not if a they are incommensurable the same reasoning holds for instance suppose e multiplied by three is rather more than c the weight of three masses of the full size of b d will be greater than c we thus arrive at the same impossibility as before again b we may assume weights which are commensurate for it makes no difference whether we begin with the weight or with the mass for example assume the weight e to be commensurate with c and take from the infinite mass a part bd of weight e then let a mass bf be taken having the same proportion to bd which the two weights have to one another for the mass being infinite you may subtract from it as much as you please these assumed bodies will be commensurate in mass and in weight alike nor again does it make any difference to our demonstration whether the total mass has its weight equally or unequally distributed for it must always be possible to take from the infinite mass a body of equal weight to b d by diminishing or increasing the size of the section to the necessary extent from what we have said then it is clear that the weight of the infinite body cannot be finite it must then be infinite we have therefore only to show this to be impossible in order to prove an infinite body impossible but the impossibility of infinite weight can be shown in the following way a given weight moves a given distance in a given time a weight which is as great and more moves the same distance in a less time the times being in inverse proportion to the weights for instance if one weight is twice another it will take half as long over a given movement further a finite weight traverses any finite distance in a finite time it necessarily follows from this that infinite weight if there is such a thing being on the one hand as great and more than as great as the finite will move accordingly but being on the other hand compelled to move in a time inversely proportionate to its greatness cannot move at all the time should be less in proportion as the weight is greater but there is no proportion between the infinite and the finite proportion can only hold between a less and a greater finite time and though you may say that the time of the movement can be continually diminished yet there is no minimum nor if there were would it help us for some finite body could have been found greater than the given finite in the same proportion which is supposed to hold between the infinite and the given finite so that an infinite and a finite weight must have traversed an equal distance in equal time but that is impossible again whatever the time so long as it is finite in which the infinite performs the motion a finite weight must necessarily move a certain finite distance in that same time infinite weight is therefore impossible and the same reasoning applies also to infinite lightness bodies then of infinite weight and of infinite lightness are equally impossible that there is no infinite body may be shown as we have shown it by a detailed consideration of the various cases but it may also be shown universally not only by such reasoning as we advanced in our discussion of principles though in that passage we have already determined universally the sense in which the existence of an infinite is to be asserted or denied but also suitably to our present purpose in the following way that will lead us to a further question even if the total mass is not infinite, it may yet be great enough to admit a plurality of universes. The question might possibly be raised whether there is any obstacle to our believing that there are other universes composed on the pattern of our own, more than one, though stopping short of infinity. First, however, let us treat of the infinite universally. End of chapter 6 Recording in memory of Mitchell Edwards.